to 12th grade that you're like, dude, they would totally benefit from this. Um, make sure to come see us after service. My wife, Sarah. Sarah, will you wave your hand? She'll be out in the foyer uh, signing up people, or maybe you need fundraising opportunities. You're like, I don't have enough money to go. How do I get there? Well, we have tons of fundraising opportunities for you. So make sure to see her after service in the foyer, and we'll get you signed up. Sound good? Amen. Okay, you guys can't be quiet this morning. All right. <clears throat> so I'm used to talking to youth. So if I use youth terms, um, please forgive me. I've developed a pattern of speaking, and that's just what comes out every week. Can you, everyone say, I forgive. You in advance. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, well, today, this morning, we're going to be talking, um, continuing the Red Letter Revival series. I'm really excited. Pastor Joel has just been killing it. Hasn't she been doing awesome? Uh, yeah, so she's been doing awesome, and, and so we're going to continue that uh, series today. And just want to thank you the, for the pastors, Dwayne and Joel, for letting me preach this morning. It's a lot to let a youth pastor preach, so praise the Lord. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's awesome, and it, it's a total honor, so... Um, just a little review from last time, if you'd missed the Red Letter Revival, something that hit me really hard was when Pastor Joel was talking about the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. How many remember that? And a lot of my life, I grew up as a peacekeeper, at least even in my family, right? With my sisters, I would keep the peace. I would make sure everybody gets along. But guess what? No problems were actually solved. There was still a deep inner desire of anger towards each other. So I was a peacekeeper. I, 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 I massaged the issue, but we never actually solved it, right? Pastor Joel was talking about that last time. And the difference between that and a peacemaker is a peacemaker goes beyond just making, just holding the peace, whatever peace is left over. And you go deep to the hard issues and you solve those problems. And I think we're going to uh, chat a little bit about that today um, when we talk about persecution. Yay. Everyone say Yay. But peacekeeper and peacemaker, one's active and one is passive. So it'll be awesome. But yeah, today we're going to be talking a little bit about persecution. And for those who don't really know what persecution is, um, uh, I'm sorry. Because there's blessing in it, and we're going to talk about that. But really, I mean, who likes to get made fun of? <laughs> Thanks, David. Who likes to get put down, beat up, looked down upon, unfriended, despised, treated unfairly, martyred? That escalated quickly. <laughs> but really, I mean, who, who does? Nobody. Nobody, like, enjoys that. Actually, many times in our lives, we go out of our way to avoid persecution in whatever form. Even in our own families. So it's incredible. So before we jump in, I, I actually have something funny to say about persecution. You're like, really? Something funny? Yeah, we, we're on a mission trip uh, with our youth probably about five years ago. And we went to L.A., went to the Dream Center there. Anyone heard of the Dream Center? So that's basically a huge outreach um, to the city and to the homeless populations. And, 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 and it's just loving on the city. It's just showing the love of Jesus to people. And so we took a team of, of youth down there and some leaders and we were going, and, and, and anyway, one of the days, we, we were ministering um, a bunch of the days, but one of the days, we had a little bit of time, so we're like, you know what, we're by Hollywood, let's go up and see the Hollywood signs. Okay, so we end up walking up this hill, and anyone seen the Hollywood sign in person? Okay, you know, if you walk, we actually parked at a park kind of down below, and we walked up. It's actually, to get there, it's through like a neighborhood. Like, there's a bunch of houses, and like, you're walking through, and you're just 
you're just like looking at people's windows and it's just really weird, right? It's this weird residential like walk up to the sun. And so anyway, we get up to the top of the sign and there's all these signs threatening your life if you go up and climb to the sign, right? So the city is like, don't you dare go up there. You're going to be fined a million dollars. So we're like, okay, we're not going to walk up, but we can at least take a picture from here. But because it was residential, there was this land, like property right nearby of a house that I'm guessing had the best viewpoint to see the sign. And I'm sure hundreds of people went across the um, no trespassing sign to go and take a picture, right? Because it was the best viewpoint, right? So I, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I see a sign in the distance. And I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting sign. And, and this is what it says. Can we show the, actually, let's show the zoomed in one. Okay, can you read this? I don't know if you can read this. It says, no trespassing, private property, violators will be persecuted. <clears throat> so you won't get prosecuted here, you'll get persecuted. So soon, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, dang, they're going to go like all like, you know, the crucifixion on me. I'm like, I'm not going to mess with them, right? And so, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So I had to snap a picture, and it actually works out because it, it's just a funny thing. They didn't understand that they had put the wrong thing, um, but... Yeah, persecution. No one, no one really likes it. It's not something that's favorable. Dictionary.com um, references the definition of persecution as this. A program or campaign to exterminate, drive away, subjugate people based on their membership in a group, or to pursue with harassing or oppressive treatment. And then even more simply, it could just be persistent annoyance or harassment. And it mentions several examples, including religious groups. It's almost like an extreme form of harassment, right? Being persecuted. How many in the room have been persecuted before? You can raise your hands higher. It's fine. It could be for anything. Could be a religious reason. Could be maybe your belief system, maybe political beliefs. Many of us have been persecuted in many ways. And, and sometimes we don't even realize it. How many have been persecuted by their siblings? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I'd get some hands. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, that means you were the persecutor. How dare you? <clears throat> but when you look at Jesus' life, literally his entire life, all of his ministry is littered with persecution. And you're like, why would God the Father put his son through that? Like, couldn't he have just come and died and just the whole blood trans, you know, fusion to us kind of thing? Wouldn't that work out? Like, wouldn't he, couldn't he just take our sins? And you see his life littered with persecution from the people he came to help. And you're like, why would you do that, God? Why would you do that to your son, the one you love? And that's our thinking normally, the thing we go to first. But guess what? There's extreme blessing in persecution. But I didn't see anyone raise their hands genuinely and say, yeah, I like persecution. But there's blessing in it. Let's jump to Matthew 5. Let's start at verse, uh, let's start at verse 10. <clears throat> Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Let's read that together. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the what? Receive an inheritance when you're persecuted that no one else has. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you're blessed when people insult you, when they say lies against you, when they persecute you. And even that last statement, verse 12, it puts you on, when you're persecuted by people for what you believe, you're put on like the prophet shortlist for persecution. So you're just like the prophets. So now you're on the shortlist. Elijah, Ezekiel, your name. That's the level of blessing that you're put on. But all of us try to avoid it. We try to avoid like persecution, like, like in, in our own ways. Right, like some of us will avoid talking about Jesus because we discern in a moment it will not go well with us or it will start an argument. Does the Bible say preach the gospel and worry about what everyone else thinks? No, it doesn't. You preach the gospel, you live the gospel, you tell the truth about who Jesus is. In the midst of persecution, Jesus was crazy, right? Look at Jesus' life. The people he came to save, he spoke truth directly into their hearts. And sometimes the truth, was it well received? No. Sometimes it was. But sometimes it wasn't well received by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Jewish people. It wasn't well received by many of them. But that's the people he came for. He called some of them whitewashed white tombs full of, of dead bones. Was he speaking the truth? Yeah. In the midst of a circumstance where he knew he would be persecuted. He knew he could be beat up. He knew that they would put him down in front of others. And he took it for us. This persecution. So persecution isn't fun. And when we're going through persecution, it's never fun. I, I can remember stories of me trying to pray for people, someone who had injuries. Uh, I, I had a job where, I, where one of the roles that I had would I would deliver products to stores in the region. And so I would go and I'd take inventory and I'd give them the products and then I'd go to the next store and we'd kind of go all over. And I was at this place in Seattle and, and there's this guy that clearly had like a hip issue, something going on with his leg. He couldn't walk. He couldn't walk. And I'm like, I'm going back and forth in my head. Do I pray for him? Do I not? It could be uncomfortable. It could be a weird thing to start. And so I go up to him and I, I'm like, hey, dude, what happened to your hip? And he's really standoffish. Like he doesn't want to talk to me. I mean, it's Seattle. So he didn't, he's like, dude, I don't even want to have any of you. And I'm like, no, bro. Hey, can I, can I just pray for your hip? And then he started just like, tossing all this hatred about Jesus, about God, about all this stuff. And it got really uncomfortable real fast. Anyone been in a circumstance like that? They talked about Jesus 
And it was like, you started off like in a really good moment, and then you're like, oh boy, here we go. But there was blessing in that. There was blessing in that. And sometimes we don't see the blessing, right? Like the whole kingdom of heaven works as a seed. So you plant something, and there's a gap. Now you have a tree. Now you have fruit. And so there's blessing in your persecution, but in our American church, and myself included, dude, I'm at the top of the list. I avoid persecution like the plague. Because I don't want to cause issues. I want to be a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. I want to avoid transforming the hearts of the people around me because it would be uncomfortable. Which is basically my way of saying to myself, it's okay if they go to hell. Because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Now I'm kind of losing my voice, so it makes it seem this message heavier than what I want it to be. <laughs> so you guys can lighten up a little bit, okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but I just want us to think through what do we avoid? What do we avoid in our lives? What forms of persecution, harassment, uncomfortability in our conversations, in our actions? What do we avoid? Because we don't trust that God has our back in that moment. How we don't trust that the Bible says is true. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's your inheritance when you're persecuted. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I find in my life, sometimes I just get lazy, you know, just with who I share the gospel with and who I love on, like Jesus. Right? It doesn't mean I go out of my way to get persecuted, right? I'm not like trying to pick fights with people. That's not what it's about. It was about showing the love of, of, of Jesus in uncomfortable situations, whether you're persecuted or not. And actually, the Bible is stock full of stories, particularly in the book of Acts, where the disciples were persecuted. And on the other end of that persecution was blessing. Now, did they know it at the time? No. No, they didn't know it at the time. And I want to go through a few examples. So we're going to be looking at what's on the other side of persecution. That's our title for the sermon today. The other side of persecution. So let's go to um, Acts 4. I don't go to it yet on the screens. I'm just going to give a backstory. So in Acts 4, we have Peter and John. They just healed a layman in the name of Jesus. Right? It's a notable sign. Everybody in the area saw it and was like, dude, that's the dude who was lame on his mat. He's a dude who couldn't walk. Like, this is crazy. And everyone's like, he's been there for years. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. And so, guess what? The Sanhedrin were upset. And they brought in Peter and John, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? You can't be speaking in the name of Jesus stuff. Like, I don't know how this whole thing worked, but you can't be doing that. And they started to persecute them. And the Bible says that the Sanhedrin noted, they recognized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished by them. 
No formal training, no doctorate degree. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. They were threatened not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And because they couldn't figure out what to do with him, they released them. They're like, yeah, they did heal him. I don't know what we're going to do. <clears throat> How many of us would avoid a situation like that? Threaded, threaded jail time? Threatened by the leaders? Right? Ooh, I got a family. I can't do that. Sorry, Jesus. That's the one thing. I know you said in the word, um, you know, whoever loves mothers, brothers, sisters more than me isn't worthy of me. Right? He's supposed to be our what? Our main thing. Our first thing. Our only. And out of that love for him, everything else flows. You can't love people until you love God. You can't love your wife until you love God. So let's read a little bit about what happened in Acts 4, 23 through 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And this is after all this stuff just happened. They're like in this moment and they're praying to God, like pumped about life. They're like, yes. This is what they say. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's crazy. So what was on the other side of their persecution? Blessing. Holy Spirit came and shook the whole place. Why? Because two people stood up amidst persecution. Two people. Holy Spirit's like, dude, I'm going to spend time with you guys. Boom. Like that's what we want. Like, that's what our hunger is. Pastor's just saying it during worship. What are we hungering for? What are we thirsting for? That's the kind of stuff I want to see in my family, in my life, in my church. And it was two people, two people who stood up to persecution. Fast forward, we go to Acts 5. Right, so they started something. Peter and John started something. Now all the other disciples are getting in on it. They realize, oh dang, there's a blessing there. There's a blessing there. So now all the disciples and apostles are performing signs, wonders, and miracles through the Holy Spirit. Peter's shadow is healing people, or Jesus is through the shadow. Those tormented by evil spirits, impure spirits, phew, spirits are leaving. All the sick are healed. Like, it's a crazy time. 
Just the whole city is in an uproar. And guess what? The very ones who threatened him, hey, stop doing this. The high priest and their associates. I say priest because there was kind of a, a faux priest at the time. Kind of rule. I won't get into that. Okay. So they call him in. And they're like, hey, you can't be doing this anymore. And they put him in jail. Didn't they warn him? Didn't they know persecution was coming? How stupid. They had families. Earthly wisdom will always tell you to stop. So during the night, the apostles are brought out of the jail by the Holy Spirit. Anyway, okay, if I was in a situation, I get let out of prison, the first place I'm not going to go is back where the people who put me in prison are. And guess where they go? The temple courts. We're going to start teaching again. Let's do it. And guess what? Now they're in a situation where the, the chief priests go to the prison. They don't find them there. And they're like, what happened? The door was locked. The guards are here. Everything's fine. What's going on? And then they go and they find out, oh, they're in the temple courts. And you think at that point they'd give up. Be like, okay, maybe God's on their side, right? Maybe God, maybe God's on their side. And I want to read just a snippet of this, of what they, 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 they tell the chief priests in the Sanhedrin after uh, they are released from prison by the Holy Spirit. Let's start at verse uh, 29. Awesome, thank you. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Boom. Persecution again. <laughs> they wanted to put them to death. It's like, dude, just go to another city. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up among the Sanhedrin. And I'll, I'll skip ahead for sake of time, but basically he says, look, if what they're doing is of God, you're just going to find yourself fighting against God. But if it's not, they're going to fail. So then they release them. Let them go. But not until they were flogged. If you don't know what that means, they got beat with sticks or whips or clubs. They suffered for his name. They had the marks of Jesus on their bodies. It's easy for me to say I want that in the safety of a church service. And I don't say this to make you feel guilty, but to inspire us to something more. To realize what's on the other side of persecution. Is it really as scary as the devil makes it seem?
This is the last statement. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Verse 41, Acts 5, 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. What was it on the other side of their persecution? Salvations, boldness. They stood up to the authority that was challenging the authority of Jesus. And guess what? It sets up the very next story. That's Acts 5. Fast forward to Acts 6 and 7. Stephen is falsely accused of speaking blasphemies against Moses and God. He's one of the seven. He was chosen to take care of the bread distribution to the Greek Jews. So he was one of these seven people put in charge of this. Well, guess what? These seven did this role so well that Holy Spirit, it was just literally just distributing bread. And like Holy Spirit used these people in what seemingly seemed like a simple ministry. And they healed, performed signs and wonders, cast out demons, like all the stuff. They did all the stuff. That's reassuring for all of us. No matter what job you have or how significantly important it is or where you volunteer in the church, oh, I'm just a greeter. No, you're not. You're one of the seven, one of the 10, whatever, however many greeters there are. Think if they know your team. Just think about this. At church, what if they knew your team is the 10 or the 12? Because you so powerfully manifested Jesus in your life that everyone just knew it. Dude, that team is crazy. Just a thought. I want us to be hungry, not guilty. Let's be hungry. Let's be hungry. So anyway, Stephen's falsely accused of speaking against Moses and speaking against God. Well, guess what? He wasn't. He's speaking the truth. He's performing signs and wonders. He was doing his thing. And basically, they're about to stone him. Basically, put him in a pit, throw rocks at him until he's dead. He's willing to share the gospel unto death. In our natural minds, in our, in our worldly kind of wisdom, we're like, what a dummy. Now I can't serve bread to those people. You had one job. Natural wisdom will always go against persecution. It'll always try to pull you away. So anyway, he gives a long speech of Israel's history. <laughs> And he's about to get stoned. And he, they could literally let him off. If he just relents a little bit with his message. Maybe if he just apologizes. Maybe if he just shrinks back. No, this is what Stephen says. Acts 7, 51. Dude, you're already there. You're amazing, Derek. You're doing, you're doing killer. This is what he says to them. <laughs> you stiff-necked people. <laughs> Not a great way to start. 
Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, of course. I could see why. And gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God in the middle of his persecution. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing the right hand of God. Next verse. As they covered, as this, at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Lord Jesus received my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. I'll invite the worship team up. What's on the other side of your persecution? What's on the other side of your persecution? He spoke truth amidst difficult circumstances where he could have just given up. Frankly, in our modern world, he should have just given up. But earthly wisdom will always tell you to pull back. So what was on the other side of his persecution? Paul was marked by that martyrdom. It'd be years later before he realized it. Months later, I don't know the time period, but it was a bit later, he would release the full impact of the blood of the sacrifice of Stephen. And even in his statement, in the midst of being oppressed, in the midst of being persecuted, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's a real man of God, dude. That's real. That's a real deal. I want to be like that. And there's some things you don't see from this story. He fast forward a little bit. Huge persecution started at this moment. Wow, Stephen, you're an idiot. You just started the biggest persecution of the church because you couldn't keep your dang mouth shut. So then all the believers now were stuck in this state of now being persecuted because of one man's actions. And guess what? There was blessing in it. It started the ministry of Philip. Philip started doing signs and wonders. 
doing crazy miracles. And guess what? All the disciples were scattered like Jesus had told them to do. And they didn't do it yet. So God's like, okay, I'll use this persecution. Let's do it. There was blessing. Now the whole region, not just Jerusalem, but the whole region would hear about Jesus. And then that would spread even further into Asia. And further west into Europe. Why? Because of one man's persecution who he stood up to it. In the midst of death. In the midst of hurting his fellow people. He spoke the truth of God. He did what God's will was in a moment of difficulty. And he saw God in that moment. He saw heaven opened. He had an open vision. In the midst of people throwing rocks at his head. And it's really easy to think, Stephen, you're an idiot. Earthly wisdom will always tell you to stop. I can't go into more, but Paul and Silas get put in prison. Earthquakes opens all their cells in the midst of persecution again. Put in prison. Earthquakes opens the cells. They save a jailer who's about to commit suicide. And then his whole family comes to Christ. And then they're let out of prison directly by the leaders who had put them in there. It's incredible. But we always neglect doing that first step. Persecution hurts. I don't... No. Yeah, persecution does hurt, but we don't realize the promise of God that there's blessing on the other side. There's blessing in the middle of it. We could talk about Elijah amidst of extreme persecution. Fire from God came down, lit the altar. Or in Judges, Samson messed up big, persecuted by the Philistines. And in his last moment, God, he asked God, let's do this one more time. And he, he put himself in that mess. And God still blessed the situation because he used his death to bring life and freedom to his nation, to Israel. Or Moses and the Israelites, the persecution, the slavery they went through. They plundered Egypt's gold and silver. They were taken to a promised land where everything was set up for them. What's on the other side of your persecution? What's on the other side? Is there miracles? Earthquakes, releasing prisoners, slaves being set free. Is there healings? Is there lame walking, blind seeing, paralyzed, made well? Is there salvations? Lives being saved, hard-hearted souls coming to the Lord. What's on the other side of your persecution? Or is it empowerment or the raising up of other Christians? Your persecution. Are Joshua's and Caleb's being raised up? Are ministries of Philip being started? Are bravery and courage being instilled? In your ministry, is there the casting out of demons? Is the Holy Spirit being pulled out on your, poured out on your fellow believers? 
please stand. I'd ask our tribe students, we've been talking a lot about trust and worship. Tribe is our youth group. And I've been talking to them. What percentage of your heart does God have? Is it about 80%? Maybe 85? Maybe 90? What is it? Oh God, I trust your word, except that whole persecution part. Oh God, I, I, I trust your word, except everything you say about sex. What, what percentage of your heart does God have? And so I, I, I hope this morning you hear what I'm saying. This isn't a shame thing. This isn't a guilt thing. This is a, dude, let's rise up and do this. Let's rise up and do this. <laughs> let's get persecuted. <laughs> but God, there's extreme blessing on the other side. So I just invite you as we end in worship, there's a lot of front room here and I'm gonna release you in a moment that you just come up and give God your heart in whatever area that you've fallen back on. Because this is an area, I'll be the first one, I'll be dead center right here. Where I've let circumstances, people, positions determine how much of the gospel I share and at what points. So if you've had a fear about that, Oh, it's gonna be, make things uncomfortable. Oh no, this is gonna ruin stuff. This isn't gonna keep the peace. He didn't call you to keep the peace. He called you to be a peacemaker. So I invite you, if this touched your heart at all, if there's something in your heart, you're like, God, I haven't been allowing you to do a work through persecution. I just invite you to come forward and just worship out as we go. And I think that's how we'll do it today. If you gotta go, I get it. Thank you for coming, we appreciate it. We love you all, we're a family here. And I hope we'll see you next week. God bless.